This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. The Jersey Sounds of uh, Power Talk, the Thursday edition of it. Damian Knoxman, Muriel Sanyani standing in for the Queen of Hearts, Lara Dombele. She's back with you next week, Monday. On this section, obviously, every Thursday, we talk to thought leaders because it's the leadership dialogue. We reflect on issues of leadership because when we talk to many people in the industry, even just yesterday, speaking to Dr. Tluti from the University of the Free State, when we were previewing the State of the Nation address and many other issues, he spoke about lack of leadership in the country or decisive leadership and ethical leadership. And obviously, uh, we come out of the uh, State Capture Commission. We've seen how SOEs, agencies, were being infiltrated and um, yeah, and derailed in terms of their mandate. So today we have an opportunity to reflect on one of the most important agencies in the country, the National Empowerment Fund. And of course, through the eyes or through the prism of the national chairperson, Dr. Ntabiseng Muleko, to reflect on the mandate, uh, what has been success factors, and talk leadership issues broadly because the success of every country it's all about leadership dr Muleko, good morning to you welcome to power thank you so much for having me mario and a very good morning to you and the listeners it's a pleasure i don't want to take it for granted that everybody knows national empowerment fund but we know your role <laughs> some of us so to those who don't understand let's start with the mandate what is your key mandate as the national empowerment fund so number one, um, just in terms of historically, those who don't know what we are, we're a development finance institution um, set up uh, in uh, by the Act. There's a National Empowerment for Act uh, that was uh, the Act that established us in 1998, and the agency of as an agency of the DTI. So the shareholder is um, the DTIC now, but that's the Department of Trade, Industry, and Competition. They thought it through that in order for us to uh, establish and ensure the participation of those who had been previously excluded, it was imperative that the nation uh, set up a funding vehicle primarily to fund and uh, provide both financial and non-financial support to black-owned and managed businesses. Uh, We also have a mandate to promote a culture of savings and investment. So how we do that is not only to um, namely have uh, funds. So we've got five funds that we manage across our uh, spectrum, and these five funds are where we disperse our allocations across the various sectors. We also have non-financial support that we offer for black entrepreneurs, primarily because many of our entrepreneurs don't always have the necessary requisite skills, training, and competence in um, management of uh, their books. And so we offer non-financial support and mentorship and coaching. So there's various aspects of funding that we do that non-traditional financial uh, sector didn't do. Uh, The traditional banking sector, the traditional financial mechanisms and tools, uh, we have found that we need to innovate not just the funding but the training and support that is necessary. So we incubate to a certain degree, particularly in township and rural areas, so that our, uh, our investees actually succeed. We want them to succeed. 
So mm-hmm. that's our mandate, and uh, we are exclusively uh, 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 financier for black-owned, which is 51% plus black-owned, uh, majority black-owned businesses. That means the non-white, uh, 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 non-white. Uh, people of the population of South Africa. Mm, interesting indeed. Dr. Mligo, I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a, a question that was posed by one of our callers on the open line about uh, about half an hour ago. And really, I'm just taking an advantage um, of the fact that you have um, an association with the D, with, 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 with the DTI. You are basically the agents of the DTI. If you don't mm-hmm. have an answer to this one, I'm not going to hold you up to it because we <laughs> promise that we will phone the DTI uh, tomorrow to that. Because the caller was, um, he was concerned about, he says, the, the poor men's uh, patent laws have been dealt away with. And he says, how do you do such a thing in a developmental country? Because the poor men's patent laws, they they assist those who can afford, you know, to protect their their patents and stuff. Do you have any clue why it was dealt away with? And if you don't, ma'am, it's okay. We'll just move on to, 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 to the other issues. Yeah, I think to get the department to answer, um, yeah. the issue of intellectual property and patents is quite broad. So he would be, need to be specific in terms of what he means uh, specifically by, by the patent laws and whether is it rights of origin. I'm not sure. There's, it's a very broad topic. But I think that insofar as the, the legal framework, uh, which aspect he's concerned about, I think he would need to then engage uh, the DTIC yeah. and, and specifically which aspect that he's referring to. Uh, so it's a bit it's too broad for me to answer at this point. Yeah. Okay, no, that's fine. You mentioned the mandate, which is which is quite important, emanating from an act, and um, in terms of the people that you're mandated to support and assist, and you mentioned uh, also, Dr. Moleko, that you you're focusing on financial and non-financial support. Yeah. Let's start unpacking the non-financial support. What kind of non-financial support do you offer businesses? So number one, uh, we help you if you don't know how to apply uh, for a business plan. It's a very basic thing. So over the last, I'd say, uh, since inception, over the last 20 years, of the 1,603 transactions that we've approved, uh, you would find that there's a bulk of those who are unable to actually innovate and uh, develop their own business plan. So online, if you go to our website, you'll be able to access an online business tool that enables all of our applicants a kind of a framework of how to actually do a business plan. But in addition to that, we are the um, place for entrepreneurial training support. So in terms of in- incubation, we offer investor education. Over the last, uh, since inception, we've reached more than 9.6 million people in villages and townships. We have uh, community seminars and we help people understand how to save and invest <clears throat> and, and use uh, the different financial vehicles and, and, and markets that are available to them. In terms of business skills training, uh, we provide uh, seminars and also opportunities around uh, the different aspects of running a business. Uh, and this is, again, we've done this to over 7,686 potential entrepreneurs uh, from 2012 to date. So this is part and parcel of our national footprint. So it's across all the provinces. We don't do it only in Gauteng. We would be doing it in all uh, Western Cape, Eastern Cape, uh, Bumalanga Free State, Limpopo, KwaZulu-Natal, etc., uh, so that we can have a national footprint. It's important that uh, we enable, from a pre-investment perspective, readiness for our applicants beforehand. 
So we know the challenges that our people are facing in terms of reaching the state of readiness. So you don't just get a, a, a feasible uh, a business plan at stage one. Sometimes you have to provide certain inputs. And so that, that pre-investment support is a unique aspect uh, that the NEF provides that many uh, of your traditional financial mechanisms wouldn't provide, and uh, they don't, they're not positioned to do that. So we have a pre-investment support, post-investment support, and the actual process of taking uh, through any approval. So these are some of the additional incentives and I think functions which make the NEF a unique, uh, a unique institution and very much necessary uh, for ensuring the participation of black entrepreneurs. So you basically create a fertile ground for your investment. You don't want to take chances, invest in a business, whereas you haven't done due diligence, you haven't seen if the person can deliver or not. So you provide that uh, that that uh, competency level so that when you invest, you are somehow, obviously you can't guarantee 100%, but you have comfort that you are investing in the right business. So you have to advise. So the advisory services, which is something that usually you would have to procure if you're in the private sector and pay for, uh, we assist. So we provide an advisory service so that we manage not just administering applications, but pre-investment so that we can actually increase the chances of success. And so that is empowerment to us, particularly of our people. Uh, You must also remember post-investment, we also monitor the same investments that we would then uh, give capital to so that we provide the same type of ongoing uh, mentorship uh, to ensure that also they comply to whatever legal obligations uh, we've agreed to in the in the provision of the capital. Yeah, I want us to focus on the profile of the the profile of the businesses, uh, the profile of the of the businesses that you support financially and non-financially. I know, Dr. Muleko, you spoke about that you obviously you you support black-owned business. The first category I want to find out um, in terms of the profile of the business, uh, because you mentioned the issue of a black-owned. So, do we have any criteria in terms of the percentages of shareholding? Take for instance, um, because I'm asking this question. In the context of what we have seen previously, things like um, what they call it, window dressing, and, and you know, and and, and and things like that. So, do you do you have specifics percentage in terms of how much must a black person, how much shareholding a black person must have in that particular company, or is it hundred percent black owned? Uh, so we are very very stringent in terms of the uh, conditions. Uh, I think that, remember, the Act requires that we fund black-owned businesses. So this one is not, a, is not something that we play with in terms of our mandate. So the, the, the policy gives a, a, a directive on this. Um, the, the, the type, you, you said the profile of the entities and the enterprises, yes. it would be your majority black-owned businesses so when I say majority, it would be 50% plus one. And you also um, have a, a woman fund that we have. The Women Empowerment Fund, again, is your majority woman owned. So when you talk majority, it's 50% plus one. And uh, so you cannot have a situation where you're a minority shareholder. Uh, the second aspect is that we look carefully when we do what we call due diligence at the shares and at who the investees are. We have to understand that these are actually... Uh, not just operationally involved, but uh, 
both as shareholders, but these people that have applied for this funding must run the business. So we are very clear in our CTs, which is the conditions that are precedent when you are making applications that our our uh, investees have to be part and parcel of the business, have to run and be involved in the commercialization of this business as they've promised in the uh, in the business plan or the business proposal that they would have had approved. But we also want to see ongoing participation. So it's not about you getting funding and then you step aside, handing it over to other people to run for you. You have shareholding. You must run the business. You must make sure that it's seen through to realize the, tar- the targets of whatever it is you promise. Across the different divides, you talked about the profile of the businesses. What are they? Uh, we look at uh, retail, uh, the retail space. So um, you'll find that we're involved in different value chains. Uh, we look at agro-processing. Uh, you'll find that uh, if you look at, think about, uh, let's say, processed goods like castor oil or fruit juices, uh, condiments and so forth, uh, you'll find the National Empowerment Fund is involved there. In the tourism space, we have various partnerships with different um, entities, particularly um, the Department of Tourism, which we've partnered with, and we've disbursed uh, significant amounts, uh, over $300 million for uh, projects like Hraskop George and, uh, and various tourist and lodges and so forth in the various districts and in, across the country. Um, property sector, uh, Partnerships, again, with um, various entities within different provinces, but social housing, uh, student accommodation, and also general property development, you'll find that the NEF responds to the market failure of low ownership of property by black businesses. And uh, we have particularly transformed the sector by enabling some of the blended finance options in the property sector. Uh, and we've dispersed just under six, 700, uh, 700 million around the property sector. In the townships, uh, we have funded over 380 entities. And now one would say, is that what is needed? Um, to date, we've dispersed 2.4 billion in support of rural and township entities, uh, specifically uh, in, the, in the rural areas, including our shopping malls and our petrol stations uh, and tourism. But here we find that the lack of capital that we have mm-hmm. begins to be a constraint. The number of applicants we have in comparison to the funding that we actually have is a problem. If we uh, look at the NEF size in comparison to the entire financial sector, we are, uh, in, in terms of our asset worth, is $6.2 billion. Every year, you look at what we uh, approve and disperse, and our approvals have never exceeded $1.2 billion because of the number, the, the capital that we have. Uh, we've seen over time <clears throat> in the history of the entity, uh, in comparison to the other uh, DFIs, uh, our, sister, our sister agency, which is far bigger than us, uh, IDC, the Industrial Development Corporation, has an asset um, base of $160 billion. Mm. We have six. I, I just want you to understand the difference. Six billion. This is the NEF must meet all the demands of black-owned businesses mm. in this nation. IDC sitting at 159 billion. Obviously, we have a different mandate. FIFA, which is another sister agency, though it's <clears throat> it's, it's it's under the enter the the SMME uh, portfolio, it used to be under DTIC, but it's still sitting with 7.2 billion assets um, under management. We are sitting with six, so we are the smaller one, and the entire financial sector has assets under management of over six trillion. Six trillion. So when you include the banks and, and insurance and all your different firms in the financial services, we are but a fraction of the entire uh, value chain. And so you, you begin to see that 
definitely the supply and the demand are not matching. Uh, the demand for, 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 for finance and capital, uh, the demand for ensuring growth happens, the financial sector becomes key in unlocking opportunities and expanding uh, the growth and the entry of new startups and ensuring that uh, black entrepreneurs actually can acquire capital to enter into these new sectors. So again, here, we, we, we are um, a part and parcel of the players and we want to take up more projects, want to do more. Uh, we've seen uh, the NEF, the, the management, uh, our, 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 our different funds running at full capacity in partnership with the DTIC, particularly during COVID and also when there were July rides. Why? Because the demand and the needs were so high. We doubled our approvals with the same staff. We doubled our uh, disbursements. And this is on the back of a very dedicated team and management team and very efficient processes that we want to even improve further and digitize hopefully in the future. Uh, but we saw, saw that we can actually more than double our performance with the same uh, operational expen- expenses and the same uh, staff on the ground. Uh, so you can see that the, the excellence and the professionalism of the management is critical in the enabling of the NEF to perform its mandate. So again, the, 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 the team, the team effort um, that has been underpinning the NEF and enabling the NEF to meet its goals I think is, is part and parcel of some of the successes of the NEF, the professional team, and we can talk a, a little bit more about that. But I think that just to give you a sense of uh, some of the uh, the profile and the sectors that we actually have had um, performance in. I'm in conversation with uh, Dr. Antabiseng Muleko, chairperson of the National Empowerment Fund, and we're talking about the mandate and, of course, many other things relating to their funding policies, uh, both financially and otherwise. Yeah, and of course, um, just yesterday in our conversation in one of in in the program, um, somebody, Dr. Muleko, um, says South Africa can become or can win every World Cup when coming to policies. Says we can become champions, world champions of policies. So you mentioned stringent measures, the do the the due diligence the professionalism and efficiency of your team and uh, also um, because you were responding to the question that I posed relating to issues of window dressing and so on and so forth. Now, Mm. the monitoring and evaluation, what mechanisms, what tools do you have to ensure that whatever that you fund, whatever that you support, it's it's not going by the wayside because you've put monitoring and evaluation processes uh, and systems in place? What, what, so what the, kind of systems do you have? Yeah. You know, let me help. The, 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 the one thing that I'm excited and it makes me excited to be at the NEF um, about is the team. Um, you are as good as the team that you have. We have 185, um, very, 188 staff members um, total, but the qualifications are on 185 on the back of almost we have 16 chartered accountants, uh, various uh, 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 um, individuals with uh, masters. I think uh, the, the average bachelor's degree around 50, 32. You've got to have competence amongst your staff is what I'm trying to point to. Um, education must be something that we still value and make use of in ensuring that our entities succeed. 
So what we've seen in terms of maximizing not just our capability and capacity, but is to have a team that is able to perform at the level that is required. So how we measure and monitor is that we have key metrics that um, we then uh, look at as an institution. Uh, this is monitored and uh, overseen across the different deal teams by finance, uh, the CFO and his team. Uh, we've got uh, the GC, what we call the general counsel, um, and the legal team overseeing that. We've also got the board uh, that sits in place the policy imperatives and monitors the performance through the subcommittees, um, each of the subcommittees that um, have been established through the board charter. Now, when you say how do we monitor, we've got key indicators. So we've got indicators around, for instance, from the financial perspective, uh, we've got approvals, disbursements, and commitments that we then would monitor. Uh, Dr. Maliko, can are. I request you? Can I can I request you to hold that particular thought to talk about the key indicators? Because um, I want us to go to the news headlines, um, and take a traffic report, and immediately after that, I want us to come back to these uh, uh, points that we we're just about to say. The indicators when coming to issues of monitoring and evaluation. No My special guest there, Dr. Ntabise Muliko, chairperson of the National Empowerment Fund. Sure just standing by with the 10.30 news headlines. Power Talk, the Leadership Dialogue. Indeed, the Leadership Dialogue with uh, Dr. Ntabiseng Muleko, um, chairperson of the National Empowerment Fund. Before the break, uh, before the break Dr. Ntabiseng, we're talking about um, uh, processes and systems in terms of monitoring and evaluation. So the institution, thanks for that reminder, the institution has its own KPIs and targets that it sets, and th- these are monitored, and you'd be able to read our annual report annually just to see the performance of um, NEF. Again, the institution wants to perform. So in terms of the financial targets, uh, we look at our collections, we look at our impairment levels. We want to be a sustainable institution. You must remember the NEF hasn't been um, capitalized since uh, we were capitalized for seven years after our establishment um, in 2004, uh, for a period of six years, just uh, around $2.47 billion. Um, but we really are reliant on our own self-financing. So it's third-party arrangements which we enter into partnerships with entities who have a similar mandate and a similar uh, a vision as us, and we collect our loan repayments, and the proceeds of such we reinvest into different uh, vehicles. So th- these are the, prim- the, primary, um, the primary indicators as an organization that you would uh, look at Uh, with some of the other non-financial support targets that I've explained. I think from an internal perspective, when you look at the performance of businesses and investees that we have funded, we've got a post-investment unit that looks at the performance of each entity that we actually fund. So we would look at the key financial metrics of that business. We would look at the um, involvement of the entrepreneur. Uh, We would look at the ability of the uh, business to service its, uh, its loan and um, the performance in terms of revenue, and if there are any significant changes, particularly in different sectors, um, and we've done that particularly with different constraints that uh, COVID put on uh, different sectors, and we then put in place interventions to ensure um, that we don't wait for, uh, for, for, for failure, but rather to try and ensure that um, our entities um, are able to recover and also deal with some of the busts of, of, of certain sectors. So. These are some of the things we put in place. Um, we do have some, because we're dealing with risky environment, uh, some that don't make it, um, pushing up our impairments. But again, 
we 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 do all we can um, to reduce um, the the loss in terms of non-performing loans. Wow. Interesting to hear that you've been capitalized for six years um, through your inception, but now you you found you you find ways um, you know to recapitalize the, the the business, which is quite unusual because <laughs> what we know in this country is that from time to time government agencies they run to treasury and ask yes. for bailouts and ask for funding and whatever. It's quite refreshing to hear that, you know. So. Which I find let's, very, speak, yeah. let's speak on that point. I think it's a it's a very important point because the the the, the general understanding and the general um, I'd say the narrative is that uh, most SOEs or state-owned enterprises are getting are getting money from the state, which is the case in in many instances. But we don't have a standing capital allocation that comes from uh, the shareholder and or treasury. So from 2010, the NEF has only received up to 2.47 billion, and we have really been able to sustain the NEF over these last few years through the ability to give uh, finance and capital to entities that are viable, that will succeed, that are able to repay us, and we then use that money to give other entities. We've also um, been uh, fortunate to invest <clears throat> through the MTN Equity um, investment. We were able to. Um, receive a, quite a, a share in terms of the return on investment when they issue dividends, and uh, we are then able to survive uh, based on the the dividends that we are able to receive from the sale of Asonga. That was back in 2007. But um, outside of those strategic equity investments uh, and the uh, loan repayments that we collect, we don't have any money coming from the state. Mm-hmm. So it's up to the board to ensure that our pricing policies our investment policies and our investment processes are stringent and they ensure that we select businesses that we, we can actually ensure that they will uh, succeed. And we collect those revenues and those uh, repayments and we give uh, to the next black entrepreneur that would then um, go through the same process and repay us. And uh, it, 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 it's cyclical. And so NES has stabilized and been able to perform. But what we are trying to do is to ensure that we recapitalize we are uh, of the view that given our significant um, role in transformation and playing the role of financier to black entrepreneurs, there should be increased amounts of capital. Uh, We've raised a lot of concessionary funds from third parties. But I think that when the president speaks of the SME, uh, the SME fund of $10 we should not be creating new entities. The NEF has shown its ability to perform. The NEF has a balance of eight. We've had clean audits, uh, uh, 18 years of clean audits, 20 years of clean audits. Um, and the, the NEF doesn't misuse or mismanage uh, funding. So we've got strong financial controls internally, strong management internally to ensure that we retain and continue. I've been the NEF board since uh, I think around 2018. And this will continue. It was there before I arrived. The culture of governance and good governance has uh, been in, uh, in, in the history of the NEF. It will continue beyond my tenure at the NEF. But what is important is that the money that we are given and we have been given responsibility for, we are custodians. We are stewards over those resources and we must take care of them. And we must ensure that we account for those uh, resources and how we use those resources. And I think the clean audit uh, background 
provides evidence for such. So I think that uh, we want to have uh, a, a portion of any collection of SME funds that primarily will be directed to black business. We will participate in that, and we think that we should be positioned as the ESD go-to for even the private sector, the go-to for firms that are looking to disperse funds because we have the systems in place, we've got the overheads in place, we already have staff in place. You don't need to set up new structures. So the NEF should be the go-to place uh, for any private sector firm looking to partner on ESD funds, your enterprise support development funds, um, and third-party funders that are looking for an entity uh, to partner. Come to the NEF, the commercial banks and so forth. Come to us and let's partner. So that, uh, And we've created innovative ways of structuring capital and finance with some of the actual uh, 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 enterprises and uh, private funders um, that have shown that we are able to be innovative as NEF and bring solutions in the economy that we're in. Well, I think there are issues that can be learned from <clears throat> from 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 some of the institutions that are applying good governance. Um, because I've even seen on your document, even though you're referring to Kim three, but I think you might have upgraded it to to Kim four um, report. But um, it, it demonstrates that where there is ethical leadership um, and where there is professionalism and efficiency. A lot of things can work for this particular country. I mean, you even look at um, Dinel now with the appointment of Medlura Sarobe as the chairperson and how that turning around to that agency, which was in deep, deep crisis, it's quite encouraging. And I think it's a lesson for all to say people in influential positions for the sake and the future of this country. Let's do the right thing. There are questions on Twitter as well as uh, some phone calls that are coming through. But before we go there, because you mentioned uh, the president um, uh, in terms of these um, stimulus, um, he'll be delivering a a State of the Nation address uh, uh, tonight at 7 p.m. And I think on the 24th, if I'm not mistaken, no, I think the 24th or the 28th, we're going to have uh, the budget speech by Minister Inok Kodongwan. The economy is not doing anywhere. It's not doing very well. Um, we are we are really stagnant and also calling uh, for for small businesses and enterprises to support government in creating jobs and so on. So my question is in two parts because what the president will say tonight it will inform the budget that will be presented by the Minister of Finance. What are your expectations from tonight, Sona, and also from what will be delivered by Minister Godungon from an NEF from an NEF point of view? Well, what we would want to see is um, recaps for the for the NEF. It's very simple. We want uh, to see um, development finance institutions and reform of the financial sector, particularly because of the um, market failure. So we understand that there's limited capital. In the, in the NEF for uh, the disbursement of the needs of the majority of South Africans. You'll note that uh, a lot of the discourse around enterprises goes to the issue of um, we, we know SMEs are the backbone of the economy, we know enterprises are the job creators, uh, we're sitting with an unemployment crisis in this nation. Many provinces have unemployment more than 40%, including Gauteng, uh, Eastern Cape, Western Cape, and uh, many other, Western Cape is the only province that has seen a reduction in, in unemployment, but all the others, um, we're on the uptick because of the ability to uh, reinvigorate subsectors that are labor-absorptive and um, highly 
capital intensive. So capital begins to be a critical role player. You cannot change the economy if you don't finance uh, development and provide financial support for those who want to enter into these industries. And the industries that we support, your likes of manufacturing, we uh, we, we have funded uh, the, the, the establishment of firms. Uh, for instance, um, the, the, the one, I'd say, innovative thing the NEF did, when there was the HIV and the AIDS um, issue in the 1990s, 2000s, do you know that we didn't have the capability to make condoms in this country? Uh, the NEF is one of the stalwarts and the funders of making and bringing the capability by providing affordable capital to the entrepreneurs and enterprises who would then set up uh, manufacturing uh, capability in one of the IDZs and set that up so that it actually is financially viable and they have the expertise to run that and they repay us. Uh, There are various other aspects we would want to see in terms of the uh, the different sectors where we have an organized way of bringing the, 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 the SME fund, want that $10 billion to come forth uh, that the president announced last year. Uh, it wasn't executed as the SONA updates uh, are issued by the president's office. And we've seen that the SME fund, we are looking at that carefully, but we're seeing that once that is established, can the NEF be the administrator of that type of a fund and it not be given to the private sector or any other party because we are an agency of the state. Um, And so we are in those discussions to try to align the NEF and be ensured that whatever amalgamation is happening in the broader space, because Treasury is talking about rationalization and all sorts of things, but if that is happening, let us use and make sure that we optimize the use of the NEF in terms of its mandate. I think, uh, from a national perspective, you'd obviously want to see the president talk about the key sectors uh, that will be supported, uh, the provision of infrastructure that is necessary so that you can see growth in key sectors. You need to see uh, the energy action plan being executed, um, and you need certainty around certain policy imperatives so that you don't see the investment strike that we have seen in this country. Um, what would be very encouraging is to see financial sector reforms that promote capital and ensure that capital becomes affordable. And you need to have involvement of not only uh, providing more capital to the NEF and the balance sheet of the NEF, but you also want to see participation of the private sector. So that collaboration with the private sector mm. through the different funds, but also through enabling and disciplining capital to give to SMMEs. So the private sector extension, the credit extension that is provided to enterprises, the lowest levels ever, uh, by far less than a percentage point in terms of if you compare it to emerging markets of uh, Brazil, China, India, and so forth, which we like to put ourselves amongst, uh, we are nowhere near the threshold that is needed where firms are actually given capacity in terms of capital to set up startups. So you've got to be very deliberate about that. And uh, if you don't enable the establishment of the South African manufacturing arm and the productive arm and the entry of local South Africans into townships, into uh, your rural economies, um, you're not going to see that household income increase. You're not going to see the multiplier effect because we're going to continue to export jobs if we're importing goods. We're going to continue to export opportunities and forex and currency and reserves if we are importing basic things that we could actually produce locally. And that has got to be very deliberately done. It doesn't just happen. And I think that we want to see more emphasis on that tonight. 
right, let's go to the phone lines and I'll also take the questions on Twitter, starting with Hamlet in Pretoria. Good morning, Hamlet. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Maria, and to the chairperson. Well, I just want to also echo the sentiment of, uh, you know, the chairperson. The NEF, it's one of those organizations. I think it's well run. I mean, uh, I've been a beneficiary of the NEF, NEF twice. I mean, uh, from pre, I mean, even uh, during the application, post-investment, the support is there. Uh, what I want to, uh, just my point of advice in my experience is that, you know, look into how you finance franchising because I think that um, there, is a, there, is a, there, is, there is a room for improvement because of, say, for instance, you buy a franchise for 10 million rent and uh, you give that uh, a 10 million rent to the franchisor that goes to the setup, uh, setup, uh, set, setup cost and stock. But necessarily what you find, because I've been fined for a franchise, you know, for about 6.2 million. But when I did the cost analysis, I realized that if I had done the cost myself outside the franchisor, I would have paid 4.2 million rent. So there's, there's, there's overinflation somewhere, makes getting quite high, you know, for the franchisees, and it makes, you know, it squeezes them. I mean, the profitability and the sustainability of the business. Mm. So I, 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 I allow that their procurement as franchisees. It must be competitive, but it's not because most of them, I've done this research and I've communicated it to NEF, that most of them, they've got a set list of suppliers that they've been using for years. They don't have a competitive system to, you know, get, I mean, quotations for multiple suppliers. They've got a relationship with some of these suppliers mm. for years. Okay. And uh, those supply chains, they need to be broken down so that they're getting, you know, and the setup cost, mm. they don't become expensive, expensive yeah. for, 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 for the potential for the franchises. Yes. yes, indeed. Thank you very much, Hamlet from Pretoria there. If you can note that input, it's a, it's an interesting feedback from, from one of your beneficiaries or, or clients. Musa Batlu, your question, comment. Welcome. Good morning, Maria and the guest. Yes, Musa. Um, I think this has come at a very good time, especially for me, um, this, this program. Uh, my company just received a contract. I'm in the fuel industry. Okay. Um, so 55 contracts, all in all, to provide 55,000 liters per day of diesel. So the compliances are in place. The regulatory framework is in place. The collateral requirements, I want to know if there is any collateral requirement required from the NEF when they do the funding. So I need to understand also, I had like 1%, they said that there's 1% repayment rate uh, on interest, but I need to know the turnaround time. If I've got everything in place and I walk in now, I, I, I do an application. As a matter of fact, yesterday I did contact them on the, on the web query form. So I don't know whether I should just walk in to them. Okay. And, I think and it's an important question. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna request the doctor. Which Malik. province is he in? Just ask him which province he's in. Which, Thank you, Musa. Are you in Houten? I am in Houten, but the operation okay. is in is in Escort. Okay. Doctor Mlego. Okay, so let me just take the second uh, caller. Yes. So what I would recommend him to do immediately: go to the provincial office. Uh, the head office, sorry, um, we have provincial offices to the listeners uh, in every province, but uh, for the purpose of Gauteng, he would go to the head office, uh, which is in Ravonia. Uh, I would uh, suggest that there will be help on the ground. You don't have to wait. You can do the online application. Um, and I would suggest that uh, the process, we usually take six to eight weeks. Um, we don't have an automated process, but you do submit uh, via the online or through the 
provincial support uh, that you would be given. And uh, we do not have, uh, it's a very transparent process where you're able to follow up. Um, immediately within seven days, you would get a response uh, acknowledging your um, application. And uh, we would then take it through the necessary processes. If there are documents that are missing or and or which was what we usually find, that's why we have pre-investment, we then work through you uh, with you in line with um, what your submission is. Uh, if it's ready to go to the necessary approval stages, then it will be taken to the um, committee, depending on the size and the application um, that you have submitted. So I don't want to go into the detail here, yeah, but I would suggest enough. that you go to the office, the revenue office, and uh, engage uh, the relevant parties. He can leave his details with you, and then we can follow up. I think on the first caller... Okay, uh, Musa, you heard that one from Batlu to Ravonia. It's 10 minutes, my friend. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, you and. must just go to the head office. <laughs> And yeah. just or he leave his details with you, and then we can we can follow up his email address and his numbers. Yeah. You then got the it, second, um, Okay. Second, yes, I got it. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, we can yeah. assist him, and then we'll advise depending on the nature of the the the, the business and and how he needs to position it. It's the pre investment support which we do provide. Yeah. The second aspect is the first caller is talking about the supply chain processes. NEF has been. I just want to emphasize we've got a history and a record of clean audits. Uh, Twenty years. We are very 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 strong on policy around the financial management and making sure that we have controls in place. What we do when it comes to issuing tenders and bids, um, if we have internal suppliers, we go through what uh, is known as uh, requesting RFQs uh, from a list of um, service providers. These service providers are publicly open to, anyone can apply. We don't have a predetermined list. Uh, I want to make sure that the narrative doesn't go out. We We don't have a predetermined list of suppliers. We open it to the market, we open it to all in the market, and we put it in the necessary um, media and um, outlets, whether it's the newspapers, uh, our website, and so forth. Uh, And we ensure that uh, anyone who is a participant or potential participant has the opportunity to then apply. It would go through our uh, bid process, uh, and then um, the SCM manages that. We've got a supply chain unit. Uh, that has a very uh, professional and, and capable management within the finance unit, and then they would take us through, and then it's approved in the appropriate committees. What I would suggest, though, the point that he's making on the cost, I think he may be talking about the pricing in terms of the pricing policy uh, and, and whether NEF is cheaper than uh, your, your banks and the concessionary funds that we have, how do we manage those? Of course, we are not about profit maximization. So, Dr. Muliko, but uh, I'm not sure if, you, but I think you are specific in terms of the franchise model, saying that uh, if you have, if he would have costed it himself, for instance, uh, in his franchise, he he got about six million or so, but he says it could have gone down to to 4.2. So his advice was to say, can NEF looked into the funding model of franchises okay. because it disadvantage it it benefits the franchise the the people who are selling franchises but not those that are buying into the franchises i think yeah. that was his concern saying can you look into that no i think i think the the, the point is taken um, by hamlet uh, and i think let's appreciate the input and let's yeah. look into that i hope the team is listening in and uh, let's look into the into the franchise comment yes. around the 4.2 versus 6.2, because I think yeah. we could look at it from a franchise by franchise perspective and um, review um, if, if if we could possibly hear from him. I think it would be great yeah. to hear from him if specifics 
so that we can actually look at the transaction and which franchise. Because remember, we're dealing with uh, petrol stations, we're dealing with food franchises, mm, we're dealing mm, with a host of different. them. And I'm not yes, I'm yeah. not quite sure exactly when he talks about uh, the difference in price. What is the meaning? Uh, but I think we can we can take it yeah. offline. But we All welcome right. the input. Yes, Let me take you. Lucian in Centurion. So I'm let the the communication line. It's 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 open. You can benefit many other people that are involved in the franchise specifically that you're in. Lucian Centurion. Uh, welcome your question thank you very much Mario um, and I would like to say hi to the chairperson there of the board um, the chairperson mentioned earlier that they have an advisory team in relation to once they have uh, funded and then they offer those services my question was based on are the advisory services an internal um, should I say uh, an internal team or do they go mm. out to the market to source um, yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking for opportunities. If they are looking for people outside, how do I get into the database okay. for advisory okay. purposes? Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Lucian. Awesome. Thank you so much for the, for the question. One, we've got analysts, investment uh, analysts. We've got uh, credit analysts. We've got a team of um, fund managers. So a lot of the... Um, deal work, which is what he's talking about, is done internally. We've got, uh, back to the professionals that I was talking about, uh, we've got um, chartered accountants and also uh, different finance executive, uh, finance um, experts who are working within our uh, different funds. Um, there, that is where the pre-invest work, pre-investment work is done. Where we go outside for additional support is with the business training uh, I think that the um, post-investment and the non-financial support training, uh, we use uh, the support of uh, SMME trainers that are on the database. I would encourage him to uh, even contact the, um, the, the office to inquire as to when the next panel of service providers, because we have a panel of service providers that is issued publicly, and this is done on a rotation cycle and that when is the next time we will issue such. And, and this is part and parcel of what he, he can then send, a, send an email to. I'll leave an email for you um, so that you can maybe yes. with the callers yes. that have questions or have inquiries, yes. um, I'll ask the marketing to just give me an email address so that I can give you an email address that you can inquire from, particularly when you have these type of questions. Yeah. Uh, but on the supplier side, side it's not a it's not a matter of on the so SEM, which is the um, supply chain management. We have rotating uh, rotating times of yeah. when we issue these, uh, but we do go outside okay. for that. So I think there are opportunities there for him, Dr. but I just don't know when the yeah. date would be. We got to leave it at that. So um, the likes of Sugar Deaths, I know your question, Andy Lenazo. Um, uh, that are on Twitter, as well as Lawrence Rofiwa. So what we will do is we'll get the email address, we will tweet it, and then, yeah, and probably before the end of the show, I'll also read it out loud, and we can post all those questions to the team of the National Empowerment Fund. We Thank you very much, Dr. Tabiso Muleko. And also, person. you must just do Twitter. So just send something on the Twitter handle. They're, they're on Twitter, yeah. NEFCORP. Okay. Please, and then you can just uh, inquire Musa and all the other guys that have um, comments, yeah. and then the marketing team will direct you to the right places. So please go to the LinkedIn uh, for Nef- for Nefcorp, and also the Twitter handle, which you can make use of to inquire. And I know that there are people watching and observing comments there. Indeed. So those who weren't able to ask questions, please use that as well.
Okay. The appropriate platform. Thank you. Thank you very much. And of course, the the line it's oh eight six one eight four three six three three N E F zero eight six one eight four three six double three N E F. You've been listening to a Power ninety eight point seven podcast. For more podcasts, visit power nine eight seven dot co dot za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.